Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is Thursday night. Also, the introduction of the new intro that I worked super hard on today on my off day. So you're welcome, jackasses. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was awesome. That is actually a paid audio track uh, that we now have the rights to. So we we own something. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I'm going to bring on my co-host, the chair of the Oklahoma Libertarian Party, now the state with the the strictest abortion, anti-abortion laws in the nation, and a good friend of mine, Mr. Will. I like how you're on that faster than I am, man. I'm uh, I'm talking to our XCOM right now in my chat. I wish I had my phone, but in Oklahoma, we don't have a firm stance by the OKLP on abortion because it's a divisive issue, and we kind of like the Mises Caucus think that you should be able to take people from both sides of that debate and, and welcome yep. them into the movement. But uh, this bill defines life at fertilization and bans it from fertilization and also allows citizens to sue doctors, um, just people who don't even have any legal basis to sue, who might not even know the victim you know, or, or the fetus or the mother or whatever. Uh, so it's just absolute nonsense. And from a libertarian perspective, I think we, we have to address it for, for like, you know, social media messaging. So try to get XCOM approval and uh, yeah, hopefully we can fight this shit because it's terrible. Yeah, I guess they seen what Texas did and said, you know what? We can do you one better. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Our again. state legislator is, is, is honestly a joke. Like it's 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 pretty embarrassing to be in there. And hear about it and meet those Again, people. Oklahoma's just trailing Texas. They just follow whatever Texas does. Damn it. I hate I hate that you're right. I can't even argue with you like I normally could because you're it's right. It's like that it's like that Borat voice. Uh my neighbor joined the SEC, so I must join the SEC. <laughs> it's true. Oh God. But fuck the SEC and <laughs> find us on everything. Not a real libertarian podcast. James Tollier, that's Tollier for KY.com. T-O-L-L-E-R, the number for KY.com. It's people over politics, people helping people. James Tollier is an awesome human being who helps, actually helps people, uh, not talks about it. So go help that man out. And find the Libertarian Party Veteran Caucus, leading libertarians to veteran issues and veterans to libertarian solutions. You can find us at lpvets.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Discord. Yeah, I'm going to switch over real quick. Hold on. Uh, I want to show this new logo. That thing is dope as fuck. Much better, much better. And actually, I need to send you an even more updated one because we got the Latin wrong. This one says Pro Semper Libertate, and it's Semper Pro Libertate. But I've got new ones too. But that is that is badass, and that's also what's on our new T-shirt. But we have black and gold for anarcho-capitalism. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Chris By, you can find him at itstimealaska.com. He wants to possess the singular Congress seat, or I should say House seat, in Alaska. They've only got the one. Uh, you know, due to population and all that. Uh, so there's there's actually fewer House seats available in the state of Alaska than there are Senate seats. There are two Senate seats by law, but there's only one House seat. So, uh, you know, go help Chris by. So much, so much stakes. So, so much stakes. 
such high stakes for one Senate seat or one House seat. And also so go to redemptiontactical.com and yeah. use our link so that you can get a discount and let them know that we sent you. And uh, I think that's it. Yep. We've paid the bills that's, now. Yeah, go to novelpodcast.com. You can see all the stuff over there. There's the link. Yeah, that's that's all of it. It it gets weirder and weirder each week for whatever. It does. It <laughs> so well, we did. Uh, we actually did a special episode last night. Uh, well, I should say you and Braxton did a special episode last night that I was uh, graciously asked to come on to um, about mental health. And one topic that we did cover last night, which none of this was planned. Like this is amazing how all of this lined up, but. We are doing a segment tonight on just health in general. And last night, it had been covered that mental health is tied to your diet, just being healthy physically. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna bring a guest on tonight that's gonna help us talk about like physical health and you know overall well being. His name is Kyle something. I am not going to try to pronounce it because I will butcher it. But he's an awesome dude. Uh, I'm going to bring him up, and he'll probably have to explain his last name to us. <laughs> hey, man, that's uh, no issue at all. Um, it is Matovic, by the way, um, for people who are from uh, kind of the southwestern part of Pennsylvania. They'll probably know. Um, I'm a filthy Polak down here in uh, Vandergrift, Pennsylvania. And, uh, yeah, I run the In Liberty and Health podcast where we talk all things liberty, health, and uh, beyond. You know, um, lift some heavy stuff and uh, spit that hot liberty fire. So, uh, yeah, I'm pleased to be here, and thank you guys for having me on. For sure, man. Welcome. So how how do, how do liberty and health merge? Because I'm sure if anybody knows where the intersection of those two things exist, it is you. Well, that's quite a long thread. So the way I've kind of started to look at this over the last couple of years, and especially when it came to 2020, when we knew that um, health was such an important thing, um, when you start teasing out some of the data, like you look at grip strength and um, its relation to overall mortality, um, lean muscle mass and overall mortality, um, obesity and, you know, overall lifespan and health span, you find that these things are very, very intrinsically linked. So if you want to live a life that's full of, once again, liberty, then you're going to need your health to do that because part of you know your life is to spread the message of liberty if you're a libertarian, right? You want to spread this message as many people as possible. And I feel like if you're in a more healthy, more robust state, then you're more able to spread that message and people will take you more seriously. So part of the reason for me starting the podcast and kind of getting into this world was to kind of introduce libertarians more to health because in order for us to influence the masses, we need to be worthy of influence, right? We need to be influential people. So therefore, when you're jacked and tan and you look good, you can pick up heavy stuff, you can command the room, you command respect, all right? I'll present the tan part, but the rest is okay. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I resent oh, that. Yeah, dude, it's okay. Um, you're in Oklahoma, right? So that's I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like a geographical idiot. I um, think I'm darker than you, honestly, but I still resent it as a pale person. Well, <laughs> if, if you were to see me in person, I'm, I might listen. My great uncle's name is Camillo Bianco. I mean, that's like as Italian as Italian gets. <laughs> like you know, it's like Tony, right? Um, so, um, yeah, um, Oklahoma. Do you guys get like? cold up there i i seriously have no idea yeah we get we get really extremes period so we have really hot summers you know like i felt 112 degrees here 
and then we get really cold winters. So we had we had a year ago or last winter we had like negative uh, like sevens and sixes, single negatives. So yeah, yeah Oklahoma is on the uh, northwest border of Texas. So there's like a okay. little cutout there where Oklahoma lives. It it lives in the bosom of Texas. We own Texas. We're over it. We rule over top the whole thing. <laughs> See, but like if you're close to Texas, I feel like you should be warm. But man, that sucks. Listen, here in Pennsylvania, it was literally snowing at one point in like April. I, I was going into work and I work on cars for a living. So I uh, I was coming into work and I seen snow all over like the shop door and on the ground and gathering up on cars. I'm like I I do not like this at all. So uh, if I if I could move anywhere, and I know this is probably going to trigger some libertarians, but I I'd move to Florida. I'd move to Florida. Hard. <laughs> Florida's cool, or like far south Texas, like when you get real far south, that climate, or southern New Mexico. I could do some of that. Well, how south are we talking? Because yeah, I'm talking, you're no I'm longer talking much tanner than we are south. I'm talking <laughs> citrus fruit growing on trees, people crossing the Rio Grande. Oh, there you go. Yeah, dude, nothing wrong with that. Wherever you want to live, you know. Um. There's a whole bunch of uh, good people down there in Texas. Tommy Sands and uh, I, we were shooting the shit a little bit before the show. And I'm sorry. I, I guess I should ask if I can swear. Uh, no, you're fucking good, bud. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Tommy Sands and Pat McFarlane, uh, Buck Johnson are all down there in Texas. And those are all just phenomenal people, phenomenal libertarians that, um, yeah, I've talked with a lot and had on my show and you know, discussed a wide range of topics from – you know, blue collar um, lifestyle to, you know, the paleo libertarian route and trucking and, you know, heavy metal, everything like that. Let's talk about go back paleo libertarian, because that's, you know, not everybody uh, likes that term and uh, (laughs) likes to use that or thinks that that has positive connotations. And even some people who I think others would group as a paleo don't like being labeled as a paleo. So what does that mean to you? A paleo libertarian basically to me just means working in the uh, Republican Party as a libertarian. Um, guys like Tho Bishop, uh, my buddy Taylor Shiring, who lives a little bit away from here, he's a, a Hoppian. Pete Quinones, Andrew from Popular Liberty are kind of the people that mostly come to mind for me. But basically, yeah, to me, it means working through the Republican Party as a libertarian and supporting Republican candidates, which, um, if you think that's your greatest way to liberty, and you think, you know, and I don't necessarily agree with this, but praising Ron DeSantis into the White House is the path forward to liberty. I don't agree with you, but if you think that's the way forward, then by all means do that. But if you think working through your local GOP is the way to go, then I support you 100%. Whatever brings about liberty in our lifetime or whatever can kind of get the boot off of people's necks, I fully support anybody in doing that. Are you, uh, are you an anarchist? Perhaps? Yes. Okay. See, this is weird trend I've noticed getting back. Like, so when I first worked in the automotive industry, uh, I didn't really, I, I knew politics, but not, not well. And then I got out and, um, you're a smart guy. Some, well, I did some factory work for you <laughs> and turns out that is just as bad. So I went back to what I knew how to make really good money at. And, uh, I go back and now there's a lot more anarchists in the automotive industry than I remember. Like it's, it's pretty prevalent. Like there's, and I think it's mostly because if you know anybody who would hate fucking everybody in life and just all of it, it's it's a mechanic. Anyone <laughs> anyone who works on cars hates you. Listen, dude, I, work, hate you. Yeah, I work on Cadillacs, right? 
you from the brand new 2022 Escalade, yeah, the brand new Escalade that costs one hundred twenty-two thousand dollars, all the way to the black ice bag of weed, fourteen-year-old Escalade rolling through with tinted windows, right? I work on everything and that in between. So I work for a Buick GMC Cadillac dealership, and um, in Pennsylvania we have state inspections and emissions. So to, to get down to how ridiculous some of these government regulations are, you can put emission stickers on on the same side of the street as your dealership. But if you go across the street, then it's illegal. The floor has to be level. Um, you have to bust out headlight aimers. You don't have to, but you have to, if you follow what I'm saying, um, mm-hmm. to aim headlights if they're not aimed properly. There's so many ridiculous rules and regulations around working on cars. And uh, one thing that's always been kind of funny to me is my grand or my father owns a 2000 Corvette, right? And this thing has a Vortec custom centrifugal supercharger on it, a VRAM intake, Ross performance injectors. It's a under three seconds, zero to 60 vehicle, right? So you would think this V8 that's drinking gasoline, this thing should get like eight miles to the gallon or like eight gallons to the mile. Um, it literally gets 30 miles to the gallon on the highway because it's just hardly idling at um, higher speed. Yeah. So this just kind of makes you think if you can build better performance vehicles and remove some of the emission stuff, then actually the net positive is that you now have a more fuel efficient vehicle, which is actually a lot easier on the environment. So I know we didn't plan on talking about automotive stuff, but uh, yeah. <laughs> that's your, I agree with you completely, but I was, I was curious about something you said. So a Vortex supercharger. Mm-hmm. So is that, are you saying that it's just attached to like a Vortex engine or is that made by uh, like, is Vortex like a co-brand of GM or something? How's that Vortex. Um, Vortec is a, a company that makes superchargers. It's not like a 5.3 Vortec, right? Because the uh, GM V8s, some of them were called Vortec Motors. Right, but, that's what I was thinking of. Right, well, Vortec, once again, is a separate company. I think it's actually like a K at the end instead of a C. And huh. they, they just built a, a custom centrifugal supercharger for this specific right. LS1. And this isn't like an LS motor. There's more claims to LS motors than there are LS motors. A, a V8 in a Chevy truck is not an LS motor. That's like a LQ something, right? The true LS1 is an LS1 out of a Corvette. Because even in the Camaros and the Firebirds and the GTOs, they're completely different, right? They right. have, I think they have a different camshaft. They have about 10 less horsepower, but in a Corvette, this is the same deal for Corvettes pretty much all throughout history is that the Corvette motors always kind of got the biggest, baddest. Yeah, now it's kind of weird, right? Because it's a fucking mid-engine. Let's talk about that yeah. shit. But yeah. Okay, yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty ignorant on the new Corvettes, to be completely honest. Same, because I, I don't want to know. Cool. Yeah, I, I don't see them just because I don't work for Chevrolet anymore. I worked for Chevrolet about 10 years ago. But um, yeah, as far as I know, they're pretty cool. But I, I've never been in one. I've driven some of the uh, like newest body styles before these ones and the c7s but i haven't driven any of the c8s yet see what's what's actually funny is i used to be a virginia state inspector at a chevy dealership in culpepper and uh oh, wow. dude so our like our uh, state inspection manual is like like this fucking thick man it's huge i mean i'm sure you know about that yeah. but uh what's funny is that the uh that gm actually come out with a z28 camaro yeah. back in 15 or 16 uh, it was the first year they'd done it, and it did have that true LS in it. It had that LSX, and it. it was the same exact motor and transmission setup. Seven liter. The vet. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, that thing, so I did a, a PDR on it, mm-hmm. or P, yeah, PDR, PDI. P, P, uh, P, PDI, yeah, a PDI on it. And, dude, so the, the parking lot for the dealership's gravel, like on one side, and that's the side I went <laughs> I out. I know where this is going. <laughs> so I hit this thing so fucking hard, banging gears, trying to keep up with this motor. I'm sideways coming out of the parking lot onto a James Madison highway 
and I'm just like the entire way down this road. I'm going past the uh, the NHSS uh, NHHS uh, testing facility on that road, doing like fucking ninety, just banging fucking gears, just trying to keep her alive. Yeah. <laughs> was it was it a standard or automatic? Oh, it only came standard. So here's the crazy thing about nice. that C28. So it only came standard. Uh, the upgraded option had uh, had two speakers on each door. Well, I'm sorry, one speaker on each door. So, yeah, two speakers. Uh, but the base model one had one speaker and a radio because by law they have to have that door chime, that chime uh, for the seatbelt. Um, that and then the the base model didn't have AC. Dude, this thing, this thing was built as a off the shelf race car, and it was Seriously. fucking nasty. Yeah. Well, one thing they actually did with those in particular was they actually hollowed out the emblem because of the drag that it would potentially cause. So yeah, they literally took out the uh, centerpiece of the Chevrolet logo to prevent less drag. But yeah, they really went all out on those things. Yeah, I think they were like one. Tw- the MSRP for like one twenty. It was something mm. stupid. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, that's that's a lot of freaking money for a car. I still drive a manual Cobalt with roll-up windows, so uh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> I like manuals in general, but they're kind of hard to find now, honestly, for most of oh, Well, I got – my car's a 2008, and I got very lucky with this vehicle. So I worked at um, one of the largest dealer chains here in southwestern Pennsylvania. Everybody knows where this is, um, but I just don't want to say it because I don't want to get them in trouble or think that, you know, there's some radical libertarian trying to blow stuff up or whatever. <laughs> but – um. Yeah, when I worked there, there was this black cobalt that came through, and it was a manual um, with roll-up windows, and it only had 4,700 miles on it, or um, it, it only had 47,000 miles on it. This was probably like three or four years ago. Actually, no, probably more than that now, probably like five years ago. And uh, yeah, I just, I had to grab it. It was a one-owner vehicle. It was in completely mint condition. So I got a 2008 cobalt now, and I've been driving it every day for the last like two years, and it only has, I think, 84,000 miles on it, and there's nice. no rust on it. So yeah, I got a little lucky with that one. If you- as a mechanic, if you had to name the three best car makes, what would they be? Um, GMC Terrain with a six-cylinder, uh, old Chevy Cobalt, and probably a four-wheel drive, 4.3-liter 1990s GMC pickup truck. Those would be kind of like my top three because uh, the V6 Terrains, they're like the most bulletproof thing that GM's put out in the last cool. 20 years, I think. Uh, the old four three six cylinders in the trucks, those things did not die. I drove oh, one in high school. That makes sense. Yeah, it had uh, 300,000 miles on it when I got in high school and it was in 93. So this was about 10 or 11 years ago that I was driving this thing and it just did not die. In fact, the dude who had it before me like drove it all over the country doing construction work with it and they never even pulled a valve cover off of it. And then Cobalt's just my individual experience. They've been absolutely phenomenal to me. Never broke down. You have a GM tattoo. I do. <laughs> I didn't even see it, but it's like, that? dude, I've I never met somebody so dedicated to GM cars that you would include <laughs> a terrain and a Cobalt in your top three, but I respect it. Yeah, I knew well, there'd I, be something you were wrong about. It had to be uh, something you were wrong about. Yeah, GM makes quite possibly I, I like the it. junkiest vehicles ever made. The top three vehicles, if you want to be correct about this, Kyle, sure. will be a Toyota Tacoma uh, pre-2010. Okay. Uh, right. It'll be uh, a Ford Ranger from the 90s or 80s. And then, number one, I will guarantee you this, is a 97 Toyota uh, Camry, the big fucking boat ones, those things rode smooth and still will refuse to fucking die. Okay, uh, well, you know what? I the only thing I don't agree with is the uh, Ford Ranger. 
Um, but I'm a bigger Ford guy than I am a Dodge guy. So as long as you don't inc- include Chrysler anywhere near like the top 10 safest, I'd put them at like the very bottom. <laughs> I, think, I think Chrysler's are safety hazards, to be completely honest yeah. with you. Like, they should be off the yeah. road. Yeah, I they're, they're bad. A early 90s Honda, like a 91 Honda Accord oh, yeah. or Civic. I would take a late 90s, early 2000s Cherokee, not a grand, yeah. but the true Cherokee with the 4.0 yeah. and everything. Yeah. yeah. And, oof. I'd take a Fox body Mustang just because I like them. But yeah, you know what? When it always goes that way. Fox body Mustangs, it's either they look good or they don't. There's like a very, very fine line. Like if you see one that's just like immaculate and very, very clean, it, it looks good. But like I, I would personally drive one. There's a lot of shitty ones. Yeah, I don't yeah. Like and then the half of them, I don't like the coops, but I like the hat. Yeah, and then a lot of them kind of look like the ones that you would see the dude in the trailer park driving that's like trying to figure your 17 year old sister or something like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, right out of the trailer park. That's kind of what I think of when I see those things. Either that or like the old 90s Camaros with a V6. I understand <laughs> the connotation. Yeah. I, I yeah. So, so, can we at least agree on the best diesel truck on the road? Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I, I hate diesels, but uh, go ahead, shoot it. It's, it's going to be a Cummins. Yeah. That's, I mean, there's it's hands down. Everything around the engine is absolutely horrible, but you know, if it, it's, it's if it starts with the words Dura, it's usually not a junk great brand. I've known that, noticed that in life. Uh, Dura Laster, brand Dura. Dura. Yeah, no, you know what? If it's like I'll, Dura something, yeah. it's going to be like Walmart. No, I'm just kidding. I will have to stop <laughs> for. Uh, I'll stick up for Duralast tools because Duralast tools have done me very, very well in my uh, automotive career. So I can't complain about those. But uh, Duramaxes, I'm like, I've seen those run 12 second quarter miles. I'm not saying that I've never seen um, Dodges or F250s or F350s do that. But, uh, you know, once again, I'm a GM guy, but I hate diesels. I hate all diesels. So I'm I'm the wrong guy to ask about that. (laughs) If you're willing to put like 20 grand into a Duramax, it'll be great. Uh, You have to get rid of basically the the entire DEF system. You have to delete it because it will regen for fucking ever. Oh, boy, I hear it. (laughs) Yeah, I've done a lot of those. So like. So I'll tell this story real quick, and then we'll have to get into the health because that's what we promised on this. <laughs> so but, so we had a guy who was one of those know-it-alls. Like he was a C-Tech who might as well have just been the god of all cars. Not really, but um, so C-tech he went to go do a region. Say what? C-Tech for cocksucker. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he went. <laughs> he went to do a region on a Duramax. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, man, you need to open the hood on that thing. It won't melt the hood. He said, fuck you. That's a rumor. It never happens. So he comes back 45 minutes later. Guess what? Now we're buying a brand new truck because this hood melted onto the engine, the wiring harness, the all of it. It just fucking like the middle of the, uh, the, the hood got so hot, the metal actually melted and fell in. Because you got to think for 45 minutes, this thing's running at about fucking whatever the fucking rpm is it's high because it's just oh, yeah. it's just bl- burning out the system and so it melts the hood onto the motor and the fucking wiring harness everything holy shit yeah, it's crazy wow yeah i mean i've seen a, a lot of shit in my days but i've never seen stuff like that one of the uh scariest things you'll ever see is a 2500 drop about three or four feet and teeter-totter in the air um, yeah, Ooh, I, yeah, that would be scary. Yeah, imagine seeing eight thousand pounds just drop three feet and just 
What was the, was it on the lift? Were the lift locks not locked or something? No, um, the frame rails have like a whole kind of undercoating on them on the newer trucks. And okay. if you don't have the lift set right, it may kick out. And that in this situation, sucks. it kicked out. Yeah. Because the old, old frames are pretty generous. I mean, you can put it in a lot of different places. And as long as it's balanced, it's still going to hold up. Yeah, no, the newer trucks they put undercoating on them, and it can be pretty slippy. So, yeah, if you're not careful, you'll see a uh, you'll see some shit fly off. <laughs> Scary. Yeah. So let's get to the let's get to the health. What is your like <laughs> philosophy as a as a exercise person, health person? So, I guess the best way to kind of start at this would be kind of my adventure. So I'll try and keep this as brief as I possibly can because I'll, I'll go on forever. So my family had suffered through a lot of different illnesses. Like my mom had breast cancer three times and she's a freaking warrior. So she overcame that. My grandmother died of breast cancer when she was 72. My grandfather died when he was, I think, 69. And this was all, um, I was 17 years old by the time all my grandparents were dead. Right. And on my mom's side, my, her dad died when he was in his forties and her mom died when she was in her fifties. My uncle is 50 in his mid fifties. Right. He had a, a heart, he had a heart attack and had to have a, a pacemaker installed. So why is this all relevant? Because I was kind of looking at this throughout my childhood and realized, okay, well, whatever they're doing, I don't want to be like that when I'm older. And let's not say they're bad people. They're not, um, they just made bad decisions in regards to their health. So I figured, okay, well, whatever I can do to improve that, I'm going to do that. So come about seventh grade, I just start lifting weights and doing what every, you know, bro would do bench press, curl, you know, curls for the girls to try and look good. So um, I did that for about a year or two and I gave it up. And then come about high school, I was 230 pounds and I'm about six foot tall. So um, I was kind of fat. So I decided, all right, well, I'm going to start working out again. So I started going to the gym and I started running the whole time. And for about three or four years, or probably longer than three or four years, up until about um, three years after college, I was about 250 pounds. So I gained and lost the same, like probably 50 pounds over and over and over again. And I never got under 200 until I heard of this wacky carnivore diet. And just to preface this, I do not recommend people do the carnivore diet. Um, it's just something I did. So I heard about the, this wacky carnivore diet from Jordan Peterson on Joe Rogan. And I decided, okay, well, you know what? I like steak a lot. So what the hell? Why not try it? So um, I did the carnivore diet for about a weekend. And I noticed all my bloating and digestion issues kind of went away. Well, at the time, I'd started dating my fiance. And I never want to say that I was depressed because I was never formally diagnosed. But um, I had suicidal thoughts, I had digestive issues, I had aches and pains at 23 years old. And I figured, okay, well, I'm just starting to age, right? I'm a mechanic, I'm working on cars, so being sore is just part of the job, right? It's part of getting old, you're going to feel like shit just is what it is. So um, anyways, I did the carnivore diet for a week and I noticed all my bloating and digestion and some of these issues had gone away. So I was like, okay, well, that was kind of cool. So I'm just going to go back to eating the way that I was eating before. Just tons of processed food. I'd have these enormous salads drenched in these uh, canola oil dressings. And I remember I got real bloated after eating one of these salads. And I'm like, okay, well, I have to make a change. So I decided, all right, I'm going to do carnivore. And I'm going to see where this leads me. So I lost like 30 or 40 pounds within the course of a couple months. And all my issues, all the digestive issues, all the mental health issues, gone. I mean, it was amazing to me because I never felt so good in my entire life. So um, I did the carnivore diet for about two years. But what I started noticing is that I'd be good for a week or two. And then I would 
binge. When I say binge, I mean, I would eat seven to 8,000 calories in a day. Whereas throughout the week, I'd be eating like anywhere from 1,800 to 2,500. And I'm a very active person, right? I wear the step tracker. I get about anywhere from 10,000 to 18,000 steps a day. I work as a mechanic. So it's a very physically demanding job. And then I also exercise, you know, anywhere from four to seven days a week. And I walk my dogs every single morning. So um, I would just binge eat when um, the weekends would come around because my fiance and I would go out to eat. So I figured, oh, well, you know, fuck it. Let's adjust for the highest quality of life, which I think you should, but you shouldn't let that become a bad thing. So um, I'd eat cheesecake and ice cream and then I'd, I'd be absolutely miserable about it. I'd feel like a failure. So I would, you know, diet even harder. I would restrict calories even more. I would go on these long three to five day fasts. And then I finally realized um, about a year ago, okay, well, this clearly isn't sustainable and I'm not getting to my body physique goals. And I feel like I should be able to enjoy more foods at this point, because it, if I'm binging on the weekends, then something's not right. Right. Mm. So I started introducing other foods. So I'm a little bit more of like a flexible dieting guy now, but basically I realized it's just that the diet model I was participating in was no longer sustainable. And this is why I don't recommend carnivore to people is because it's not sustainable. Let's, let's be real. There's some people who can survive and thrive. And I did for a long time on it, but I realized, okay, well, if I have some fruits, some sweet potatoes. Oh shit. Hold up, Kyle. We lost you. Where did we lose me? It's some it was probably me. We good. Okay. Yeah, it's probably me. My internet connection would be patchy sometimes. So, I had you at sweet potatoes, though. <laughs> so anyways, um, the problem is with like, if you call food junk food, right, then that puts a bad label on it. And then it kind of creates this bad mental situation where if you have that junk food, then, you know, now it's no, no bars hold. Let's just rock and roll. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so I figured out, okay, well, if I kind of budget this in within my daily expenditure and daily intake – then maybe I can enjoy ice cream. Maybe I can enjoy a piece of cheesecake and some other stuff with my fiance on a nice day or, you know, if we want to go out to dinner or something like that. So basically I found out that carnivore wasn't good for me because I, it just wasn't sustainable and I actually wasn't feeding my body enough. So this is kind of where I've gotten to in my life is that you have to be careful when you're dieting because you don't want to go too restrictive, like carnivore, like vegan, like, low fat, like whatever, right? Choose your diet, fasting for days and days on end. You have to do something that's sustainable for you. Now, what does that look like? Is keto sustainable for you? Okay, well then do that. Is low fat sustainable for you? Do that. Whatever works for you, you need to do that. You need to find foods that you can enjoy and um, kind of have those within a reasonable amount to get to the body that you want to get to and have good energy, good sex drive and a good relationship with food. And then maybe every once in a while you can enjoy some junk food on a nice day out or something like that, but just don't have that be a constant habit. So basically my philosophy is, um, you know, let's train our asses off, walk a whole ton and, um, you know, eat foods that you enjoy and try to keep your protein as high as possible. And if you can walk after meals, because that helps with uh, blood sugar regulation and digestion. So I know that's kind of a long tirade, but um, that's kind of where I come from when it comes to nutrition and health. I'm here for it, man. I, I agree with that pretty much hundred percent. I, I have my own philosophies on like, I think protein calorie ratio is kind of the most important thing for me. You know, of yes. course, if I'm getting all that I need, I think that's kind of what you said. Like I enjoy ice cream and stuff sometimes, but I know what I've done that day. I know what I can handle. Um, so spot on. That's awesome. Sorry, yeah. Thank you. 
So, um, yeah, like I literally, before I hopped on the show, I was making protein ice cream and right. I'm trying to lose weight right now. So, um, I, I don't want to say I did like a bulk, but I kind of did like a leaner bulk and I gained about 15 pounds for my leanness. So I was uh, about 179 pounds. I had visual abs and you know, days where I, I looked pretty good, but I felt like crap and I like, wasn't as big as I wanted to be. So like, okay, well let's gain some weight. Some of it's going to be fat. And this is another thing that people kind of need to get through their heads. If you want to gain muscle in the you know, maximal way in the best way possible, you're going to have to gain some body fat as well. And that's okay. It was hard. Uh, for me. Okay. How, yeah, why? Because in order to lay the most anabolic ground to create muscle mass, then you need to be in a little bit of a caloric surplus, right? Now that doesn't mean you just go and binge every single day and eat ice cream and whatever you want. Um, you only need about 30 calories in excess to create muscle because in order to build muscle, you need a stimulus, right? Which is um, resistance training. That's your stimulus. You need protein, which, you know, has amino acids and you also need water, which, you know, obviously you're going to get through hydration and all that. But when you're in a caloric surplus, then your body is already creating additional tissue, right? You're creating additional fat, but they'll also, when you give it, it a uh, sufficient stimulus resistance training, then some of that is all, some of that energy is also going to be devoted strictly to building muscle. So you can also gain muscle without being in necessarily a huge caloric surplus, but that's going to be the most beneficial way to build muscle mass. Well, that's, that's yeah, the the fat, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. You burn the fat to, or the, you basically transform the fat into muscle. It's basically like the simple layman's way to, to describe it. I was like, if you see a lot of guys who are like, kind of chubby and then they start working out they put on a lot of like they put on a lot of lean muscle when they're done with it like when they've when they've been hitting it hard for like a year or so you can see like how they'll be super fucking jacked you're like what the hell i've been going for 20 years what is this but what it is is that that fat is like you said it's laying that groundwork it's, it's building the frame and then you, you're just going to the gym it's building the whole house man it's it's crazy how uh, how how that works Right. So when it comes to obese people, um, they can actually do what's called recomposition, which is basically where you burn fat and build muscle at the same time. So um, leaner, the leaner you get, the harder this is to do because you don't have excess energy stores. So what is body fat? Body fat is energy, right? So when you look at somebody that's very obese, they can actually fast for a extended period of time because they have so much energy just on their body. Now, I don't encourage fasting. I encourage more just slowly losing the weight because there's actually a lot of evidence to suggest that when you lose weight slower, you help maintain a better metabolism. So you're going to be able to eat more food, retain more lean mass. And, um, you know, it's just more sustainable. So don't crash diet, right? If you, if you want to lose weight, then you just need to try and lose it as slowly as possible. Now, if you're obese, morbidly obese, then you can lose weight pretty quick and you're not going to really have to worry about muscle mass because you have so much extra body fat. But if you get leaner and leaner, you just have to be very, very careful about how you lose weight so that way you don't lose muscle mass as well. So when you're a leaner person, like let's say you're someone like me who's, I probably float around 15% body fat. Um, at about 200 pounds. So if I want to lose weight, then I could maybe lose at most maybe like 1.8 pounds a week, but don't want to go much past that because my energy is going to completely tank. My workouts are going to suck. And then I'm going to start burning muscle as well. So like right now, um, my maintenance calories are around 2,800 to like 3,100 a day. And it's not a static number. It's generally a range. But um, today I literally deadlifted 405 pounds for eight reps twice. 
and then I did, you know, one rep of 455 after warming up for a little bit at uh, six feet tall and 188 pounds. So, and, and I'm, once again, I'm cutting down, I'm trying to lose weight right now. So I'm still able to maintain decent strength because I'm not crash dieting, right? I'm doing a very slow cut because uh, I'm getting married this um, year in November. So I want to lose a little bit of weight. I want to look good for the beach when we go get married, but I also want to be able to have a little bit of time before the wedding to do what's called a reverse diet where I increase my maintenance calories and maybe gain a little bit of body fat so that when we get down to Florida and we're gorging and we're eating and we're enjoying life, then I don't completely just gain a whole ton of weight, right? It's not a rebound. It's just, hey, I'm going to increase my calories. I'm going to increase my maintenance a little bit just so that way when we're on vacation, I can eat a little bit more and not have to worry about gaining as much weight because my maintenance is a little bit higher than it would be if I was super lean, right? Okay. So that's actually really interesting because you're actually doing the opposite of what I'm doing. I'm actually like my, my intended purpose is to build um, raw, dirty muscle and gain weight. Um, I'm, I'm six, six. I'm like 260, 270 pounds in that ballpark ish. I I actually had to order a scale because I have no fucking clue how much I actually weigh anymore. I think the last time I weighed myself was a year ago, but I'm actually doing a lot to increase my weight versus losing it. Um, Because I'm actually filling out a bigger frame and trying to, you know, look. So that's the thing about health, right? It is is kind of a personal decision. Um, I personally want to be bigger. Some people want to be smaller. Whatever whatever your preference is, you need to figure out that, you know, the diet that works for that. Like mine's a high-calorie, high-protein diet. Like I eat like four, five, six of those uh, meal prep. um, Like we, my wife makes these uh, meal preps. It's it's baked chicken and brown rice. I eat like five, six of those a day. High protein, low fat, helps build muscle. The other thing that I do, and I don't recommend this for a lot of people, I I think this will be the first time I spoke about it on the show, but I actually started using uh, steroids, like anabolic steroids. Mm -hmm. And it's actually not as scary as people make it out to be. Now, you can have really bad side effects with it. If you do, stop. If you end up like uh, having really serious mental problems, stop like that those are real things however i know a lot of guys who use like just testosterone like test sip to uh improve their test levels just to have a happier life like that like legit like i know a guy that does it twice a week and mm-hmm. it just makes them happy and he's doing like small doses but i'm using that to help boost uh what i'm taking in to build raw muscle because it what it the majority of what it does is the the sus that I take increases my testosterone level, which helps build muscle. And the trend that I take uh, will actually burn fat, but also help build muscle as well. So I can eat a lot and it all just goes straight to muscle instead of just like body fat. Right, right. Yeah. So from what I understand of the literature and people who speak about this a lot, um, steroids will actually generally give you like a 10 to 15 percent kind of increase over your base performance. Unless it's been like a long time since you've really resistance trained, then that's a little bit of a different story. But um, so you take someone like Ronnie Coleman, right? The most like jack dude of all time. Even if he didn't do these crazy cycles. And really, if you look at the way that like he did cycle, he really didn't do the craziest stuff out there. People think he did, but once again, you take performance enhancing drugs away from Ronnie Coleman, he's still Ronnie Coleman. That dude would still look better than 99% of people out there because it it really does come down to genetics. So um, my family's mostly all bigger people, right? So I come from a husky line of freaking fat pole walks. Um, 
I was built that way for a long time, but now I'm, like I said, I'm cutting down a little bit and I am much, much healthier than I was 250 pounds. But um, yeah, so if you want to build the most amount of lean muscle, then once again, you need to be in a caloric surplus. If I may, may make one critique of your diet, and this isn't to critique you or say that you're doing anything wrong because there's nothing wrong with chicken and rice. But um, personally, I'm a bigger fan of red meat because red meat has um, more bioavailable protein and has more nutrients in it. And personally, I think it tastes a lot better. So um, when you learn about the digestible amino or the digestible and dispensable amino acid score chart, um, you'll see that eggs and whey are kind of the top of that, right? So about 50% of that total protein from eggs and whey, you're going to absorb. Um, red meat is right underneath that. Chicken and pork are right underneath red meat. And then vegan sources are pretty much mostly on the bottom. So that's not Except to say- the combination beans and rice are also, beans and rice make up the entire amino profile if they're eaten together. Right. But you have to eat some, you know, a much, much larger volume of calories when it comes True. to- and rice um, to get that same amino acid profile versus where, to, to give a good example of this, right? A three ounce chicken breast, which is about the size of my palm, um, you would get, you would need to eat five cups of quinoa to get the same amount of protein versus that one three ounce wow, chicken breast. So, sure. And even so, more so for red meat. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, red meat's much more calorically dense. So not that I have a problem with people being vegan. It's just that the amino acids inside of vegan sources are very, like, they're very, very bad, right? They're not compatible with our physiology. So um, for humans, it's much better for us to eat animal proteins. Now you can have like vegan protein powders because they artificially, um, you know, put more branch chains and essential amino acids in there to make them a more sufficient protein source. But, um, you know, I try not to tell people to go any one extreme or the other you should really include all food groups because fruits not only do they taste fantastic but they're very low calorie dense foods that are very very um satiating um you should include vegetables too because those are delicious and obviously have a lot of nutrients in them as well you should also include a lot of animal foods just because they're very satiating and they taste very very good what and does satiating mean it just means satisfying sorry oh, i use that one a lot of people make fun of me for it but, but i was like do i i've known this word wrong because it sounded cooler <laughs> when you said it got it okay. <laughs> yeah yeah, I uh, he didn't stop. He just froze. Lost him. Crap. No, oh no, no, I was, I was literally stopping right there. Am I still frozen? There we go. No, you're good. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. I was pretty much done there. Sorry. So, so yeah, what I was gonna say is, I agree with you about the red meat, right? Like, uh, you know, there was actually a point in my life where I ate steak and potatoes every single day. That was my diet. Like, I'd come yeah. home from work, I'd turn wrenches all day. Like, fuck you, I'm having a Budweiser, a steak, and potatoes. <laughs> yeah. And my wife eventually put her foot down and said, "No, we are not fucking cave people. We will eat something else." And then she, like, I. So, anyways, uh, yes, you are right about the red meat thing. The problem is, is red meat is also more expensive. Typically, chicken you can get at a much cheaper rate, and um, it, it's more financially feasible to eat five to six meals with chicken versus like five to six meals with like steak or like uh, pork or something like that. Sure. Yeah. Well, and like I said, it's not that I have any problem with people eating chicken. It's just that I think red meat tastes a lot better. Um, honestly, and this is going to shock people, but for the probably the last four years, I've literally eaten ground beef almost every single day. And that's about the cheapest way to get meat. We're literally, if you look at my Twitter, um, you'll see me almost every single Sunday. I post a picture. It says meal prepping and I'll have two pounds of ground beef laid out. I cook it in a skillet. I put it in four different containers. I take it with me Monday through Thursday. And then, you know, I usually got to eat. 
on um, Fridays. We'll go to Chipotle or, you know, whatever, wherever. Um, I couldn't do the chicken and rice diet. And, you know, if you can, more power to you. But, um, you know, I, I used to not have variety. And not that I say everyone should do exactly what I do. But, um, you know, I love protein bars. I love red meat. I love making anabolic French toast. I love making ice cream. I love making just protein junk foods. But the thing is that they're not, you know, these high in, you know, high in fat and high in carb, hyper palatable foods that provide you no satiation or nutrients. I'm making them higher in protein. So that way, once again, you're laying the groundwork to build lean muscle. Uh, how do you make protein ice cream? Do you have a homemade ice cream maker thing? <laughs> so, uh, the way that I do this, and um, I, I follow Remington James and uh, Greg Duchette a lot for like a lot of my recipes, um, but basically to give you the protein ice cream recipe, you would need ice, right? You'd need some fat-free Greek yogurt, which I think is fantastic. And I, I love that stuff too. Oh, so good. So um, if you have a food scale, get like a Ninja blender and then um, put the Ninja blender on there, weigh out 85 to 100 grams of um, fat-free Greek yogurt, get two scoops of protein powder, uh, one serving of xanthan gum, which is just kind of like a thickening agent. And then uh, also a little bit of pudding mix and almond milk. And then you blend it together and you'll literally have like a half freaking blender full of protein ice cream. And it's usually under like 450 calories with over 60 grams of protein. Yeah, because all you're talking about is the gum and Greek yogurt and protein powder. That's like, wait, you don't sweeten it with anything? You can, but uh, the protein powders are generally sweeter. But yeah, if you want to, you could do it. So, um, funny enough, you I could made, use uh, like chocolate protein powder. That'd make it like chocolate ice cream, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, you could use any flavor you want. I made a pumpkin spice protein Monday night, <laughs> and, and well, look, it was just because we had some pumpkin open, and my dogs, um, they one of them had an upset stomach, and we read online that pumpkin is good for upset stomachs, and I do like pumpkin. I mix it with Greek yogurt or oats. And uh, yeah, I would use two servings of pumpkin, some Greek yogurt, a cinnamon protein powder, cinnamon sugar, and a little bit of cinnamon and some sweetener. Mix it all together. It, it was actually really good. Dude, I'm into the pumpkin and oats, pumpkin and stuff thing. I might <laughs> yeah. do that. I love sweet potatoes. Love them. So I bet, I bet I'll be into that. I like that. There we go. <laughs> yeah, totally Baby guilty. Bitch. <laughs> totally guilty. Yeah, when he said pumpkin spice, I was like, oh, come on. He did not just say that. (laughs) It was just because we already had the pumpkin in there. It was already sitting in the fridge for like a week. So I'm like, okay, well, I I should do something with this. So I figured, okay, well, fuck it. We'll make some ice cream with it. But yeah, it was was really good. But yeah, basically my target when it comes to diet is um, if I could distill it down to like three tips, resistance train at least three days a week. Try to walk after meals and increase your protein. Those would be like the three biggest tips. If you do those three things, you'll honestly be like 70% of the way there. And um, another thing for people to realize is that you actually realize about, I think it's like 80% of the health benefits from the first like 20 or 30 pounds that you lose. So you don't have to get shredded to experience health benefits from losing weight. You just need to lose a little bit. And it's not to say if you're obese, you shouldn't try to get to your dream body, but um also realize that if you want to get absolutely shredded, it is a miserable experience. So once again, when I was 179 pounds, that was a lice I've been since like middle school. I had no energy. I looked great, but I didn't feel good at all. And if you listen to bodybuilders talk about this, they'll say the same thing. But it's because your body has a certain amount of fat cells, right? And the amount of fat cells you have is going to be entirely genetic. So if you have more fat cells, then you're actually going to be hungrier at a lower body fat because you don't have as much energy, but you have all these fat cells that are basically looking for more energy. But if you have less fat cells, you could actually probably be a little bit leaner and be okay. 
Well, once again, my family is a bunch of Husky Pollocks, so I have a lot more fat cells. So as I get leaner and leaner, it's a little bit more difficult for me to maintain that because my body wants to be a little bit heavier. There is a theory out there that you can kind of change your body's set point, kind of like a thermostat if you spend enough time at a certain weight. But there, you know, that's you're going to have to be eating at maintenance and kind of you know take your time to get there. I think for me, I think I'm pretty, you know, I, I, I think I'm pretty close to like the max for my, for my height that I could be as far as weight goes. I don't think I could get a whole lot thinner, maybe like five pounds ish, but I think the key is you're totally right because you know, in my life, if I eat just a little under the calories I need, I feel like shit. So it's yeah. not, I can, you can do it, but you have to make sure you're eating a lot and all the food you need regularly. When are y'all going to the gym? I'm a hungry motherfucker. (laughs) So um, for me, to to kind of lay out my day, you guys are probably going to think I'm crazy when I say this, but um, so I get up at 4.30 every single morning, 4 to 4.30, and then um, I usually cook my breakfast, and then I take my dogs for a walk, and then um, kind of get some stuff done on the computer if need be, and I usually leave the house by about 6.15, 6.30, go to work, work 7 to 4, and then I go to the gym usually from like 4.30-ish till 5.30-ish, go home and then, you know, usually hang up with the fiance or um, do podcasts. So that's usually like my day. But yeah, I normally go to the gym in the afternoon on weekends. If I could, I would go to the gym in the morning, but I already get up at 4.30. I'd have to be up at like three o'clock to get a good training session in. Like, cause I take pretty decent breaks when it comes to doing some of the heavier lifts. Like I can't do 405 pounds for eight reps continuously over and over again. It's going to take a few minutes of rest to kind of, you know, get back to it. Hell yeah. It's a great about you, Will. <laughs> What's that? You go to the gym, don't you? Yeah, I go to the gym. I go I go twice a week to Planet Fitness. I'm kind of like a uh, – I used to do three times a week, but I do a lot of other things. Like I run and I train jujitsu. So I, I kind of took the weights. They took a schedule side. But I also – I have like to any real weightlifter – like you're going to judge my routine because I use all the machines. I do a few things on dumbbells, but then I go straight through every machine. And every single time I work out, I do the entire body. I do every machine, legs and everything. Okay. So could I make one recommendation to you? And once again, you could tell me to pound salt, whatever. Um, are, are you like, uh, I can see you look like a little bit of a leaner guy. Um, do you want to like put on more muscle mass or, you know, what's kind of your goals? I don't have one. I'm just maintain. I'm happy, man. <laughs> I love it. I got a good life. I'm happy. Dude, that's awesome. Well, I'm happy for you. Um, personally, I try to tell people not to go running unless they absolutely love running. And I used to do that as well. Um, I, I've talked about it on a bunch of podcasts recently, but there is something serene. There's trails right beside my house. There's something beautiful about just jogging along out in the middle of a, a trail right next to the river and like just complete silence or listen to whatever music you want to listen to. There's something just really freaking cool about that. And I did that a lot two years ago. But um, for most people, honestly, I'd recommend they prioritize resistance training way over any kind of running or anything like that. Now, for your for your cardio, you should definitely do walking. Like you cannot walk too much. You should definitely walk as much as possible because once again, that's going to help with overall energy expenditure. It's going to help with body composition. It's going to help with uh, digestion. It's going to help blood sugar regulation. There was actually a study done where they took people who were taking metformin. And just and having different people do like a 10 minute walk after meals. And what they found is that um, the 10 minute walks after meals were actually twice as effective as metformin in controlling blood sugar. 
So um, in case anybody doesn't know what metformin is, the most pre prescribed drug in the world for diabetes. So I, I do agree with you mostly. And the thing is that with running, it is, um, you know, really hard on your joints too. I also, okay, here's what I'll say first. I agree with you that you should prioritize weights and resistance because mm -hmm. for your sake of your metabolism, especially if you're trying to lose weight, it's honestly better for you long-term, like you said, gradually to do weight training for losing weight than cardio. Cardio mm -hmm. makes you hungry, makes you burn those calories fast. Weight training's, you know, different. It's slower over a long period of time. But um, I do like running a lot, exactly like you described. I, I really do love it. But I, I have a balance where I don't – if I run too much, it starts to hurt my joints. It starts to weigh on me. I can feel it. But I have a balance of staying under that threshold. And so I feel like I have a good kind of – yeah, kind of happy medium. Balance. Yeah. But I do, do understand where you're coming from because it is – it's not the best for people who really want to lose weight and are just getting into that. And it can be very unhealthy if you don't do it right and don't, if you do it too much. Yeah, do you foam roll at all? Do I? No, I need to though, man. I need to foam roll. So I just some stretching, of course, but yeah. So just to kind of give you a quick antidote, and this was like a life changer for me. Um, I used to run like seven and a half miles every single weekend morning, like no matter what. And then um, I remember the one day my fiance and I went to the gym together, and she was like, oh, "I'm not really feeling it." So I'm like, "All right, well, then let's just kind of like stretch and roll out." And like I was walking kind of funny because I just ran. I foam rolled, and it was like a light bulb went off. I mean, it was a dude. Nightmare. I'm gonna get one. You're, yeah, you're right. okay. You should, you should trust me. Okay. So let me pitch this. So this sure. is my schedule, and it's it's super it's super similar to yours, which blew my mind. So <laughs> I get up about four thirty. I get up. I make uh, if I cycle, I'm if I'm on cycle that day, I cycle that day. I make my pre workout, and I head to the gym, which is Planet Fitness, because there's not many gyms in East Tennessee that are open at fucking five in the <laughs> five in the morning. So I hit that and I make it to work uh, by about six thirty. But on my way to work I stop at a local restaurant called Pals. It's named after Pal Barger who has a bunch of chains in the area. But they make a biscuits and gravy breakfast that is in the gravy it has actual chunks of sausage, which is fan fucking tastic because nobody else I've ever seen does that anymore. So I get that. Ever. Yeah, it's it's amazing though. It's <laughs> super high in protein and fat, yeah. and it's bad, but I love it. That's my guilty pleasure. Then I go to work, um, and then like my big thing now has recently been uh, like a lot of yard work when I get home because like uh, we've got so many fucking trees um, that a lot of them being cut down. So I'm tossing fucking logs when I get home from work after working for twelve fucking hours. So it's uh, I'll do it. Hey, guys, I have to roll pretty soon. Do you guys want to keep going, or are you all ready to wrap up? It's up to Kyle. And he's frozen. <laughs> Perfect timing. Perfectly imperfect timing. I will. I guess we'll go ahead and uh, we'll wrap it up. Oh, he's wait, he's back. Yeah, no, no. Um, I got a few more minutes if you guys uh, want to keep rolling. But um, if you guys want to wrap, I'm good with that, too. Either way. We can, yeah, we can hang out a few more, and then if uh, Will wants to go sweep the leg, that's cool. <laughs> All right. Hey, Kyle, it was great meeting you, dude. Great advice. Great info. Uh, I want to talk again sometime. I want to hear more about the libertarian side of things. but uh, Of course, dude. Time. Yeah, dude, just let me know. We'll definitely do it again. For sure. See you, Later brother. Leg. See you guys. See you, Will. So, just the two of us. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean – I love this topic. Um, 
I didn't know that you were on the opposite end of the spectrum. Like you're you're doing it to lose and maintain weight. I'm doing it to like increase mass and size and all that. So it's interesting. It it uh and I will say this: if you do get the chance to work out in the morning instead of after work, it is a life changer. It starts your day off like a lot better. Like the uh, yesterday morning when I before I went to work, did a bicep workout. Amazing bicep workout. My whole fucking day was amazing. Actually, I'm now a service rider uh, instead of a mechanic because it was just too rough on my joints being six fucking six. Oh, yeah. But, but, dude, like, I don't know. The days that I have a great workout, I don't miss nothing. Like, every vehicle that comes in with Rex, I sell it. Techs are happy. I'm happy. I get to go home. The days that I have, like, a shit workout or I miss the gym, it's like a miserable fucking day, dude. I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, for me, it's kind of getting the walks in every morning. And I have a treadmill in my basement as well. So um, if um, it's raining or if it's too cold outside to take the dogs for a walk, then I walk on the treadmill. I mean, I do not miss my post-meal walk in the morning. And that's kind of what really sets my day straight. Um, It's religiously – now my fiancé got a new job, so my routine's a little bit different now in the morning. But, uh, yeah, once again, 4.30, it used to be I'd get up, shower – and then cook breakfast and then take the dogs for a walk and then feed or well feed them and then take them for a walk. But now um, I get up and then I cook my food and then take them for a walk and then get a shower and then head into work. But um, yeah, like I said, for me, I would just have to get up even earlier because I have to be at work for seven 30. So in order for me to get up, eat a meal first thing in the morning to have stuff prepared, um, I just have to be up at that time to make sure I get my walk in. So that's kind of like my form of cardio is just taking the dogs for a walk and then Working out after work is just the most convenient for me. I would prefer to work out in the morning, but like I said, I would just have to be up so much earlier. Yeah. It's uh I mean I don't have a lot going on in the morning, so it's uh it's easier for me. And I do understand that, but yeah, it's awesome. I love it. It's yeah. like I like I tell people I keep so there's this dude that uh one of the gyms that I went to before Planet Fitness closed down and one of the dudes that come over to Planet Fitness from that gym, I've seen him like few times in the week i'd never see this guy out anywhere and i was like like man why don't you start going in the mornings he's like man i would i said dude just fucking do it i kept harassing him like i kept seeing him in town i'm like dude just fucking show up one morning and no shit i'm over there doing squats and i look over and i see him in the fucking mirror he catches it he catches mine goes (laughs) (laughs) hell yeah dude that's awesome yeah, I uh, recently just became a member of a new gym. I used to go to Anytime Fitness, but uh, there's a, a little local gym here in uh, Vandergriff called uh, NBT, and uh, it, it's just cool. It's much more of like a like a different feel. Their owner is actually a – I think she's an IFBB pro. Her name's Justine Albert, and uh, the shamelessly grift on your podcast, I am sponsored by Axe and Sledge. So uh, if you uh, – no access like supplements at all. If you use uh, my last name, one zero at checkout, you'll get a little discount. But um, she's one, I think she's an ambassador for their brand too. And uh, yeah, she, she looks freaking incredible. Like I've heard from people that when you see somebody who's like a bodybuilder in person, it's that much more impressive than versus like when you see them in pictures. I didn't understand how true that was until I saw this, this woman and she's like jacked. I mean, she looks incredible when it comes to like her physique and everything. And obviously I'm not like looking at her ass or anything like that, but I mean like just the way her whole body sculpted, it's, it's fucking impressive. And obviously you know what she's doing, but it's like, regardless the discipline that it takes to get that lean and be that well-developed, it's, it's a freaking trek. And then to win bodybuilding shows, that's, 
awesome. And I don't think people really, I think a lot of people just kind of think that you just juice up and you're good to go, but that's really not the way it works. It's a lot of discipline. It's a lot of dieting. and It's a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, someone had actually told me the other day that using steroids is cheating. And I said, no, I said, all it does is basically takes the shitty genes that I got and helps override them. So that way all the work that I'm doing is actually paying off because it takes, a, it, like you said, it takes a lot of dedication to remember every single morning you've got to, you've got to take your dose and, or not every single morning, but the, the morning that you're scheduled to dose up, take your dose. And then you have to hit the gym consecutively because if you don't, there are health side effects to that because your blood will thicken up. So you do have to work out. That's in the back of your mind. So you have to you have to work out. But it you, and like you said, it's not just like shooting yourself up and then you look like fucking Arnold overnight. You do have to work your ass off for it. I mean, it's not it's not a massive gains thing. It's it there is a lot of work to it. Yeah, and, and well, you know, you look at someone like Dan Bilzerian, who don't get me wrong, looks good, but I mean, he's juiced to the gills. But once again, he he don't look like Ronnie Coleman. If you put beside Jay Cutler, Ronnie Coleman, Chris Bumstead, he's not saying he's nobody, but he wouldn't look anywhere near as good as those guys because once again, his genetics are not that way that he could get this, you know, ridiculously huge shredded physique. There's some people who can get jacked and tan and have veins in their eyeballs, but like that's not everybody. It's a very, very select few people who can get that lean and that shredded. A majority of people are not going to be able to get that lean and shredded. Even people who take steroids still aren't going to look as good as some of those people who are natural. Like uh, Russell Orhe, he's a newer power lifter, and this dude's natural. But, I mean, he's, I think his squat's like eight or 900 pounds. His deadlift's like 700 pounds. He's like 5'8", and he's completely jacked. But he's passed all the drug tests multiple times at random, and he does all these powerlifting meetings, and he's like a very charismatic dude. But yeah, all natty. But once again, this just comes down to genetics. I don't got the greatest genetics in the world, but I work my ass off. I don't miss a workout. I don't miss a meal. I don't miss my cardio. I don't miss anything. I'm spot on with my nutrition at all times. That's what it takes if you want to get to be somebody with a decent physique or look good. It's going to take discipline. And not everybody has to have that discipline. You can work out three days a week and eat okay and still look pretty good. But if you want to be the best that you can be, it's a lot of fucking work. And it's, you know, you have to check every single box, sleep, nutrition, working out, stimulus, everything. It has to be on point. If you want to be that, you know, top notch performance kind of person. Yeah, uh, just one more evidence, piece of evidence uh, for people who don't believe that genetics play a big role. Uh, almost every single strongman competition I've ever seen or heard about, there is almost always a Nordic contender. Almost always, at least one. Because yeah. genetically, they're fucking huge. I mean, it's that Viking blood, man. They just, they're, they're wild. It's just, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, but... um So I did have one final, uh, one final question here. I did want to touch on this before we hop off. So it's been my long-term belief that the government uses and has promoted obesity for the simple fact that if they feel like they're too unhealthy to stand up for themselves, they won't. Because in my mind, uh, like really large amounts of obesity, like people like three, four, five hundred pounds, lack serious self-control and diet, or not mm -hmm. diet, but uh, self-control and uh, discipline, self-awareness. Yeah, discipline. That's the word I was looking for. Um, so they don't, you know, these would be people that aren't willing to like say, eh, 
the government can do whatever they want to. I just I don't give a shit. Where's where's my next meal? Where whatever. I mean, yeah. maybe that maybe that's like a piece of shit mindset for me. But that's and honestly, man, if you see the studies, like the the level of obesity that's gone up in the United States actually correlates with like the balls your Congress has gotten. Right. Well, and um, I've had Rob Wolf on my show a couple times. And uh, he used to go on John Stossel's show. And Rob Wolf, for anybody who doesn't know who Rob Wolf is, he's kind of like the founder of the paleo diet, essentially, or he really popularized it. He also wrote the book Sacred Cow and I think the Paleo Solution. But um, anyways, he said that actually you could see back to like when the Federal Reserve first kind of came out. Um, they actually helped kind of encourage and incentivize a lot of these junk food manufacturers to start producing food. So um, as the monetary policy got more and more loose, then they tend to have more and more junk food. So one thing that's very, very insidious that I actually noticed just within the last couple of weeks is that I started getting some protein bars and I noticed that instead of being at 20 grams of protein, they're at like 16, 17. Okay, so let's think about why that is. What are the most cheap foods to produce? Oils and carbohydrates, right? So what the oils and carbohydrates have kind of in common, when you put them together, they're incredibly palatable. So you could just eat and eat and eat and you'll never get full, but it tastes delicious. So think about French fries, right? They're potatoes, carbohydrates soaked in oil, fats. Let's think about birthday cake. You have icing, fat with all this carbohydrate, breading, right? Um, Milkshakes tons of fat in the milk and then carbohydrates in the sugar. So when you look at all these foods, they're hyper palatable. They're very, very cheap and you overconsume, and, um, you know, you get fat from that, but they don't have any protein. Why is that? Because protein is very, very expensive to produce. So now the inflation that we're experiencing has now forced protein manufacturers to actually start removing the protein um, content within their bars. Okay. So why does this matter? Because you need about three grams of leucine, which is an amino acid, to trigger muscle protein synthesis. So now you actually have to eat more calories to get the same response from your meals because inflation is now eroding away the purchasing power of your dollar. And it's also eroding away the purchasing power of those manufacturers who make these protein bars. So now you have to eat so many more calories to get the same benefit and to trigger muscle protein synthesis. You need about 20 grams of protein, three grams of leucine. So because the government has been so, you know, disastrous with our money and monetary policy, it is now basically a lot, you're now incentivized to get fat. That's really the way it is. So um, kind of a long-winded way to say, yes, I agree with you. I do believe that the government kind of wants people to be complacent and they want them to be fat. So this is why I'm trying to bring this message to libertarians. This is why I want more people to be healthy because you're much more mentally sharp. You're much more ready to spread this message if you're more healthy, right? So this is why I'm so passionate about talking about the subject and once again, just educating people on this. And I can't lead the, I can lead the horse to water, right? I can give you every single tool in my mental toolbox to gain muscle, lose weight, burn fat, but it's on you to do that, right? So I'm not in the business of necessarily making better libertarians. I'm in the business of giving libertarians a tool to make themselves better. So when it comes to anybody looking for advice or anything like that, yeah, I'll help you. But once again, the onus is on you. And when you get that work done, that's you that did it. It wasn't me that did anything for you. I just gave you the tools. So if anybody's listening out there, show me what you built, right? I'm going to give you all the tools I possibly can
Are you back? Am I? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, Kyle, I really appreciate you coming on tonight. Uh, it's, did you want to go ahead and do the plug thing and tell everybody where they can find you and all that? Sure, dude. Yeah, well, I really appreciate you having me on, man. And uh, you guys just let me know whatever you want to do it again. I'd be absolutely honored. And I'd love to have uh, both you and Will on my show sometime. Um, the show is called In Liberty and Health. You can find me on all major streaming platforms. Um, I'm also on Twitter at K Matovic, K-M-A-T-O-V-C-I-K. Um, I also play in a alternative metal band called Common Crown. Um, if there's any um, people that live in Pittsburgh, we'll be playing the Millville Music Festival this weekend. So, uh, yeah, come check us out. Come out. Come check out my show. Um, if I see you in person, I'll buy you a shot of Crown. And, uh, yeah, dude, once again, thanks for having me on. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Uh I guess I got to do the thing that I always do, and it's, uh, Kyle, you're not a real libertarian, bro. So, uh, congratulations. You're in the, the really shitty club, and uh, there you go. Yeah, of course. Well, you know, I, I wear it proudly. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys, girls, Apache helicopters, and uh, surface air missiles, uh, we love you. Good night, good liberty, and uh, be safe out there.